C.S. Lewis once observed, I haven't always been a Christian, but I didn't go to Christianity to make me happy. I always knew a couple of pints of ale could do that. I went to Christianity because it is based on a fact. If Christianity is untrue, then no honest man will want to believe it, however helpful it might be. If it is true, every honest man will want to believe it, even if it gives him no help at all. The objective truth of Christianity depends on one central event in all of history, and that is the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth from the dead. The message of that first Easter morning is either the supreme fact in all of history, or else it is a gigantic hoax and there's not a thing in between. As the Apostle Paul said it best, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But in fact, not in theory, not in metaphor, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, having said that, having said that, it is not my intention this morning to defend the objective reality of that first Easter morning. I can only pray that God would make that a living reality in your life. But it is not enough to believe only the fact of the resurrection. We need to know what the resurrection means. And this Easter morning, I want to focus on two essential points in Christianity that are verified by the resurrection of Jesus. And these two central, essential points of Christianity, we will hear from the lips of Peter, The one-time wimp who denied Jesus three times but then became, as did all of the disciples, a bold witness to the truth in the aftermath of the resurrection. As we have just read from Acts chapter 10, Peter said, We are witnesses to all that Jesus of Nazareth did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him from a tree, but God raised him on the third day. And made him manifest to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And God commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, point one, that he is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And point two, that whosoever believes in his name receives forgiveness of sins. Peter saw that it was imperative that the people understand that these two things together, Jesus is judge, Jesus is savior, serves as a kind of precede, if you would, of the Christian gospel. First, Jesus is judge. He who once hung upon the cross now sits, now sits upon his throne of judgment. The Father has committed all judgment to the Son, John 5.22, as we say in the Nicene Creed. He shall come again with joy, with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. And Jesus said it, of, said it of himself in Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes again in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all nations and he will separate them one for another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And so he, above all, is fit to be judged because he has lived with sin and evil. Not that he himself committed sin, 
But he has dwelt among us in this very broken and sinful world. He is incomparably fit to judge, for he knows the hearts of all people. He also knows the law, and he knows temptation. And Lord knows, he also knows the depth and the breadth of the penalty. And the glorious scars on his hands and his feet prove that. When he comes again, every trace of shame and evil will be dealt with justice. Aren't you relieved? Jane and I do dinner and a movie before television just about every evening, I'm ashamed to say. And just the other evening, I can't tell you the name of the movie because I slept through most of it, but I saw the ending in which it was obvious that cruelty and evil were not avenged. And I said, Jane, surely that can't be the end of the movie. And she sadly said, yes, I'm afraid it is. Well, we are promised he comes again to execute justice fully. A man asked me last week, how will we know when he comes? Well, let me assure you that you will know. With a hundred million angels singing and to quote Johnny Cash and the hair on your arms will stand up. This is not Jesus as buddy and cozy as an Easter bunny. This is Jesus on a justice mission. We would consider any monarch who never administered justice an ineffectual wuss. Not this Jesus. For Thessalonians tells us, All who have died shall rise again to stand before him. What a mind-boggling multitude. Crowds that baffle all arithmetic. Pontius Pilate will be there. Every man who ever mocked him and continued to mock him will be there. Every Hindu, every Muslim, every skeptic, every king who ever lived, every white collar, every blue collar, you and I and our children's children will be there all stand before the King of Kings. We're told in Matthew 12 that this judgment will be a very intimate one. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will render, will render every account for every careless word they have muttered. And we will know then that we were not and are not permitted to do whatever is right in our own sight. But Jesus Christ, the judge, will determine what is right and what is wrong. And on that day, not one of the condemned will be able to deny his or her guilt and is no good and will be no good in plea bargaining. And so that's Peter's first point. God commanded us to preach to all people and to testify point one, that he is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And point two, that whosoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Are you relieved? Mr. Worldly Wise Man, drivel, that says, well, Frank, you just got to learn to forgive yourself. Doesn't amount to a row of beans. As Fitzsimmons Al said, you know, I can forgive you and you can forgive me, but the ancient Jews had it right. Only God can forgive sin. And therefore, before the judgment, we are right to cry out with the, with the jailer in the book of Acts, what then must we do to be saved? But don't you see that the doctrine of judgment serves as a kind of preliminary truth that God plows with judgment before sowing with grace. 
Whoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the gospel. There is no other gospel. Whosoever is an all-inclusive word. No sinner, no matter how vile, need fear the great day or dread the thought of standing there. Because the glorious shock of the gospel is that the judge is also the Savior. We are not afraid because the judge has taken the judgment on himself. He has been condemned and punished in our place. He's played the debt in full. Once for all, it is finished. Is this not a pillar of confidence? St. Paul rhetorically asked in Romans, It is God who justifies. So who is to condemn? It is Jesus Christ who died, yes, and was raised from the dead. And so I close as I began. Easter is the supreme fact in all of human history. Let's not be fed by the conventional mush that tries to compare Easter with the butterfly's emergence from the, con- from the cocoon or, or other such foolishness. No. Christianity falls or stands on the fact of Jesus' resurrection. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And from the light of this glorious resurrection... Jesus is is revealed first as judge, but then finally and ultimately as Savior. I still still hear people say from time to day, Hey, Frank, why don't you preach something applicable for today? Okay. Well, listen. Everyone here feels judged by someone in this transitory life. Perhaps your self-righteous spouse, your difficult boss or peers at work school or socially who here does not feel judged by someone but let us trust the word of God it is Christ who justifies it is God who justifies who is to condemn is this not applicable yesterday and today and forever brothers and sisters in Christ if Easter is true then your weakness your flaw your helplessness your sin And my sin no longer condemns us in the sight of Almighty God. And neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So welcome, happy morning. Age to age shall say. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this. For Jesus' sake. Amen.